Welcome to Kingdom Life Church, Stellenbosch. May this life-giving word activate your faith today. Now today I want to speak about a topic that uh, is probably a once-off. Um, it's probably a topic you have heard before. And uh, it's something that everybody has been speaking about. But something struck my heart this week as I've been reading through the, the book of Acts and I've been going through the book of Acts and how the church has been birthed and just from a different translation and a different perspective. I, want to go, I just trust God to speak to me in different ways. And, and, and I came across something that sparked something in my heart. And I want to speak about choices today. How many of you have made a, a big choice this week or the last month? Probably most of us. We make big choices. Some of the choices is bigger than others. Some of the choices are smaller and, and less significant. But we all make choices in our lives. Now, there's a well-known saying that goes, you are one choice away from changing your life forever. One choice away from changing your life forever. Ever thought about that statement? Think about it. You are one choice away from changing your life forever. I'm not just talking spiritually. I'm talking financially, I'm talking family. You sometimes one choice away from putting you in a direction to change your life forever. You see how a change, a choice can make the difference in making it in life or missing it in life. It is true. Eh? I can think of what, moments in my life where I made choices that I was like, man, I missed it so big time. But my youth pastor always said when I was young, he said, decisions determine destiny, Henny, no matter how old you are. Remember it. Decisions determine destiny no matter how old you are. And the funny thing, however, is that we probably won't know what the big life-changing decision will be until we've made the decision. That's the funny thing. Sometimes you've made the decision and you realize afterwards, oh, wow, that was actually quite a big one to move to that place or take that job or do this. That's why making good decisions all the time is probably a good thing, isn't it? We want to make sure that we make good decisions all our life. And I don't think you're sitting here this morning thinking, oh, I just want to make bad decisions in my life. <laughs> I've, never, I've never heard of someone that way. I want to make good decisions all the time. I want to make good decisions for my family, for my business, for myself, for my relationships and my relationship with God especially. Now, that's why making good decisions all of the time is, needs to be our focus. See, it's not just the huge decisions that matter in life, but the small choices also have a big effect in our life. But either or, we make decisions daily and we make a lot of them. If you look at psychology, they say we make about 5,000 decisions a day. And most of them you don't even know you're making. How you brush your teeth or how you do this. About 5,000 a day and that's how quick your brain works. And how he calculates and, 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 I mean, our brain is just incredible. Now, if you go to the Bible, you look at, and you look at how decisions was made, there's one that stands out for me, and I'm going to look at it um, from two perspectives today. Moses came to the nation of Israel, and, and if you have your Bible, go to Deuteronomy 30, 30 verse 19 to 20. Otherwise, just listen as I read. Now, Moses came to the nation of of Israel and they've been in the desert and they've been traveling around and and, um, and Moses said the following to them and I'm reading from New Living it says today I give you the choice between life and death that's how he, he starts 
It's incredible. I know he goes to Deuteronomy 28 and Old Testament and he says this is all the blessings and this is all the curses. But he ends all these and he says, Today I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessing and curses. Now I call heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. I mean, that's quite scary. But Moses come and said, I call heaven and earth to witness your choice. <laughs> I mean, most of us will step back and say, okay, now I need to really decide very well. But he says, I call heaven and earth. He says, oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying Him and committing yourself firmly to Him. This is the key to your life. Isn't that amazing? This is the key to your life. Obeying God, committing to Him and yourself to Him. And then he says, and if you love and obey the Lord, you will live long in the land the Lord saw to give your ancestors Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So the question for us all, and it's a good question, do we make good decisions in life? Or do we make godly decisions in life? And that's a question I want to look at today. If you look at your choices, is it good or is it godly? It's a big difference. See, all of, us, all of us want to make sound choices because the decision we make today will determine the story you live tomorrow. And, and I think most of us can attest to that. Decisions we make has became a story in our lives and what God has been doing. And that's why it's so important to make sure what determine our choices in life. Have you thought about that? What determine the choices in your life? I had, a, I had to have a deep, long think on what determine my choices in life. Now psychology, if you look at the world, says that many people make choices because of the following reasons. Number one is feeling. I'm happy, I'm sad, I'm depressed. My team lost or won, so I make decisions. Number two is social acceptance. I need it because everyone's got it. I have to have that computer or that phone or this car or this thing because everybody's got it i need it social acceptance especially with young people today number three is financial status you have money or you don't but some people buy things although they don't have money because they want to be socially accepted so our financial status makes us make different choices in life number three is love because we just do weird things when we in love when you love stuff, you want to get it. Or you want to love someone, you want to do something for them so it will direct your choices. Number five is fear. How many of you have made choices because you were afraid? I remember now, I remember now, year two, you remember year 2000? When 2000 came, everybody bought canned foods. Oh, I need to get a bunker somewhere and I need to buy canned foods because the, the network all over the world is going to go off at the year 2000 and we're not going to have food. Fear. People make choices because of fear. We just went through COVID. How many choices did we make? Yeah, how many choices did we make? <laughs> Toilet paper. There we go. And the last one is manipulation. How, near, how many of us have been manipulated into making a choice? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just how many of us get tele, tele sales phone calls every week and they try to manipulate you to buy something or to, to get into this thing? And, and there's a lot of them, this is just top six. 
Now, no matter how or who you are or what the world says, when it comes to choice, we need to understand that it always begins with God. Always. Let me prove it to you. What was the first choice mentioned in the Bible? If you think it's Eve choosing to eat the forbidden fruit, you're wrong. It's not. If you look at the, word, at the book of Genesis, we see that God had a choice in how he created earth. God could come and say, in a blink of an eye, everything was done and created, everything was gone. In a blink of an eye, but God made a choice because he wanted to do and to create with purpose. There was a choice. God is the God of choice. Choice always begins with God. See, God chose to keep the tree of the knowledge of good and evil way in the middle of the garden. Why? Because he wanted Adam and Eve to not miss that. I want you to see that. I want you to miss that. Why? Because that is my greatest gift to you as human, the human race, is choice. He gave us the power to make decisions and to determine our own future even after we've sinned or the world entered into sin. God still kept us Kept the gift with us and said, choice is your gift. After Adam and Eve failed, God could have said, okay, that's it, done, and I'm done with it. I'm forcing you all to love me immediately. No more sinning. He could have done it, but he didn't. He gave and kept the choice. See, he chose to send his son later on to redeem that love that he has for us. Isn't that amazing? That's how much he... he acknowledged and, and valued the gift of choice. That's, a, that, that's why choice is such a huge deal to God. And why it should be a big deal to us. It dawned on me, I realized that to make a choice, and a sound choice, and a godly choice is a big deal to God, it should be a big deal to me. Now, around the age of 18 to about 30 years we all probably make most of the significant, most significant life-changing life decisions in our lives. And the three top life-changing decisions in our lives is number one, number one is who we will become or what we will become, what you will study, what I want to become professionally. Number two is what we will believe in religiously. I believe in God or I don't. A very life-changing, significant decision. And number three is who you will marry. Love. See, one is profession, one is religion, and one is love. And that's the most three most significant decisions that, that happens in that, that window in your life from 18 to 30. Now, that doesn't mean that when you pass 30, you don't make big decisions anymore. I, I actually think the decisions become weightier and bigger, but it's not as significant and pushes your life into a direction as that three. That's why we need to reach out to young people to give them values and to make sure they make that right decisions to know who they believe in, to know what they do and that they've called to do that and to make sound decisions in love and marriage and relationships. So the question for us today is how? And you know that I like to ask the question how. How do we make sure that we don't just make good decisions, we make godly decisions? Because I know you, we're all sitting here and I know it's like, I want to know how to make a godly decision in my life and how can I make better godly decisions in my life. Now I've got three points and three quick points that I want to share with you. Um, number one is, 
if you're making mental notes or notes, it says, we make decisions based on devotion. Number one, devotion. What will your answer be if I ask you, what are you devoted into in, in life? What are you devoted to in life? Think about that quickly. What are we devoted to? What are you personally devoted to? There's so many things that fight for our devotion daily. Our jobs, our hobbies, our families. Probably need to be families first. And all of them are legit. But our first priority in life should and always stay our relationship with God first. That's it. That's it. Your wife can be your first love, but God needs to be your first love. Your husband needs to be your first love, and that's fine, but God needs to be our first love. That's our priority of devotion in life. And a greater example to look at is Joshua as leader of Israel. And I spoke about Joshua a lot of times because I love the story of Joshua and how he took over from Moses, one of the greatest job offerings and the job, um, what do you call it, um, it was the biggest job ever taken in the world. <laughs> Taking two, over two million plus people and they're not easy people to work with. <laughs> now when they reached the land, God promised them the promised land. God promised them the promised land. They went to reach the land. Then Joshua came and he divided the land. And then after he divided the land, they faced no more wars or no more taking over the land anymore. Then Joshua did something incredible. He called them all together. And then we read in Joshua 24, verse 14 to 15. Joshua came and he spoke. And he said one of the most significant things, and, you, and we all know the scripture so well. So he called them all together. It was close to his death. His, his, his life was almost over. He was in the final stretch of his life. He, he did what God called him to do. So he called them all together and he said this, verse 14. He said, so fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols your ancestors worshipped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and Egypt. Serve the Lord alone. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today who you will serve. Would you prefer the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you, you now live? But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. See, the Israelites now lived in a land that was once filled by idol worship. It was once filled by idol worship. And they had to make sure, and Joshua wanted to make sure that the people make sure, that, that the promised land was devoted to the promise keeper. That was God. That this land that they were moved into, they devoted this land to God and they devoted their lives to God. See, Joshua needed them to make sure where their true devotional, where their true devotion lied. And it's the same with us today. We live in a world full of humanism, filled with people who do not want God and His truth to interfere in their lives and in their, in their routines daily. They don't want to. I'll keep God aside and I'll do my thing and then I'll go to church and I'll do my thing there, but I'll do my thing here. And that's a humanistic viewpoint. That's all about me. But God says, I want you to have everything, make everything about me. Make your devotion about me. You see, such an environment that we live in today, a humanistic environment, tests our devotion every day. 
How do you make choices in, a, in, a, in an environment like that? How do we make choices when people make it more humanistic than godly? It's tough. And it begins with our devotion with God. You see, Joshua drew the line in the sand and said to Barry, said, this is the line. This is the barrier. You choose what you want to do, but me and my family, this is where my devotion lies. I choose God first. And every choice I make, every decision I make, will be pulled through my values that says it is godly values. That should be an example for us today. I mean, it, it challenges me. I don't know about you. Every time I read that of Joshua, having everything he needs, and said, listen, I want you to remember the promise, the promises of the promise keeper. He kept his promise. Now make your devotion set before him. Number two, is we make decisions based on peace. On peace. And we actually had a, a whole sermon series a year and a half ago about peace. And how peace can have a dramatic effect in your life. Now if we look from the beginning of time, you go back to Genesis, we saw a pattern repeating itself all through the Bible. The earth was formless, empty and dark everything was in disorder then what happened the holy spirit came and by god's word he created order so the earth went from disorder to order in one moment well in seven days <laughs> everywhere in the word we can see that where the enemy ran rampant there was what disorder look at the time of noah sodom and gomorrah all those moments where there was sin, there was destruction and disorder. You know, if you think about stress and anxiety or anger or any place where, where we're not in peace, it's a place of disorder, right? See, it's not how God created us to be. God created us for peace. That's why God, the first day, He created man on day six. What was the first thing He wanted man to do? Rest. Day seven. Now we're going to rest. That's God's, that, that's his way of doing. He's a God of peace. Now did you know that the chronic stress, if you go through chronic stress in your life, it's got a shrinking effect on your, on your um, prefrontal cortex. And your prefrontal cortex is the area responsible for your memory and your learning. And how many of you have tried to learn and memorize something when you're anxious? No way. It's not possible. It's, it's, you struggle. That's why that's the place where you, you find peace. That's why peace comes in your, in your thinking in that moment. Now, the, the crazy thing is that stress and anxiety actually kills brain cells. It's been proven. And it can change the structure of your brain over prolonged periods of time. It's quite scary. If you think of what stress and anxiety can do to your brain. And to make any big or small choices in life from a foundation of disorder or anxiety is not from God. See, God is the God of peace. And it is from that place of peace where we hear His voice. And it's from that place where we make godly decisions. We have a pact in our family. That means Salome as a, as a unity, as a husband and wife for our family, we're not making any decisions if there's not fully peace in both our hearts. I can have peace, but she cannot. Then we cannot make a decision because that's our value. Because we want to make godly decisions. 
See, the world is battling this issue of mental health more than ever before. And if we look at God's pattern, it's a pattern of, 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 of God. It's, a, it's, it's probably our greatest weapon. Why is the world going through all these mental health issues? Because our focus is in the wrong place. We're missing the weapon that God has given us. Look at what Jesus said in John 14. 14 verse 26 to 27. Very well known scripture. Jesus comes and he says, These things I have spoken to you while being present with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring you, bring your remembrance, all things that I have said to you. Then he said to you, then he said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. God says, if you want to remember the word, if you want to get the word in your life, remember everything, the Holy Spirit will help you, but therefore I give you peace. Jesus actually spoke about the Holy Spirit. Peace I leave with you. He said, I will leave the Holy Spirit with you. My peace I will give to you. See, it's part of God's nature is to walk in peace in everything we do. See, Jesus said, don't forget what I left you with. It's important. Don't forget what I left you with. Don't go the other way and not or step out of that place of peace. Remember what the kingdom of God is? The kingdom of God is not eating or drinking. Romans 14. The kingdom of God is not eating or drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. It's a kingdom thing. Don't step out of the kingdom. Stay in it by, st- by keeping your peace. See, there's so much power in decisions that's made from a place of absolute peace. I know every time I make a big decision, I'm waiting for that moment of peace. Yes, you can be busy and things can happen, but there's a moment of peace in your spirit that you know. Yes or no. We know that. So we can never make a godly decision without peace. It's, it's destructive, actually. Now, my last point is the make or break for making godly decisions. <laughs> it is. And if you don't get this last point, then the first two points is impossible. It is. But before I give you the last point, let me just build a bit of foundation. And I want to look at the first book of Acts. And, and, and when you look at the first book of Acts, we see the disciples in the upper room. You remember? Jesus just died. He, they lost him at the cross. They had a, I mean, I think it was probably the most turmoil they've experienced emotionally in their life. But in that 40 days after the cross, they had mixed emotions because Jesus appeared to them. They resurrected God. See, their emotions were up and down. They were grieving, but yet they were excited because they saw Jesus. Something was amazing. They were filled with excitement and grief, but also fearful because they were hiding for the Sanhedrin, the Pharisees that were looking for them. They wanted to finish the job, to be honest. And Jesus said to them, don't go to the outskirts of Israel, go to Jerusalem. Go to the place where they're actually looking for you. And they they hid in the upper room, praying, seeking God. And I believe they could still remember the words of Jesus. Remember the last words he gave him in Acts 1 verse 4 to 5. It says the following, he says, Jesus said, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sent you the gift 
he promised. Let me read it again. Jesus said to them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father send you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. So they, they were obedient to Jesus' call. They were in Jerusalem. They were waiting in the upper room. And actually the, 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 the commentaries, if you read it, the upper room is the same room they had communion at with Jesus. They stayed in that room, the same room. Now if you look at the place where they were at, I mean, they were emotionally up and down. They were, I mean, it was, a, it was an interesting time. They were, everything was, they were unsure of everything. They saw Jesus, but they didn't know what's going to happen. They were fearful about the Sanhedrin. They were this. Do you think this was a good place to make a big decision? I don't think so. But then Mr. Peter comes, and our, our impulsive disciple comes, and he did the following. If you read Acts, verse one, Acts 1, verse 15 to 17. So, during this time, when about 120 believers were together in one place, all the disciples, Peter stood up and addressed them. Peter's the leader, and he always wanted to be there. He always was the leader. He was one of the three. But he stood up and he said, Brothers, the scriptures had to be fulfilled concerning Judas who guided those who arrested Jesus. This was predicted long ago by the Holy Spirit speaking through King David. Judas was one of us and shared in the ministry with us. Okay, so if you go on to verse 21, he says, So now we must choose a replacement for Judas from among the men who were with us the entire time we were traveling in the, um, with the Lord Jesus. From the time he was baptized by John until the day he was taken from us. Whoever is chosen will join us as a witness of Jesus' resurrection. So they nominated two men, Joseph, who was called Barsabbas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. Then, uh, and, and Matthias. then they all prayed. They all prayed together. They chose two men and they all prayed together. Oh Lord, you know every heart. Show us which of these men you have chosen as an apostle to replace Judas in his ministry. For he has deserted us and gone where he belongs. Great moment. They wanted to pick him. Then last verse, it says, Then they cast lots, and Matthias was selected, and, because an apostle with, um, and became an apostle with the other eleven. <laughs> so Jesus told the disciples to wait. Am I right? Wait in the upper room till you receive the gift. So they decided to replace Judas. To replace Judas as an apostle. Jesus didn't say anything about making huge decisions. He didn't. He said, wait for the gift. And this, was what, and this is what gets me. I don't know about you. This is what gets me. They pray together. They have this holy moment together. Father, show us the right decision to make. And then they cast lots. <laughs> it's like, Father, we, we need the right decision. Hey, Matthew, where's the dice, man? <laughs> Think about it. Hello. Now, casting lots was not a sinful thing in that, in that time. It was actually a custom in the Old Testament. It was a custom. 
Joshua divided the promised land by casting lots. The Jewish priests every day casted lots to decide who would give the offering. Saul was chosen as king by casting lots. I can go on and on. It was actually a recognized way of making a decision godly in the Old Testament. But it also became a sinful practice, and not just for the Jews, but for the non-believers. And they started using it for betting, for a betting game. They were betting. They threw dice, literally, that we still see today. People throw dice and they bet. And they started using the casting lots for an ungodly practice. See, the disciples was all the time used to listening to Jesus. They, they were used to that. Jesus said, do this, and I said, yes, Lord. Now he was gone. They were fear, filled with fear and emotions. They was up and down, and they were making a big decision. So they went back to the custom of casting lots to make a big decision. They went back to the old custom, but God was about to change the way of making decisions forever. He was about to turn the tables. In the next few days, the Holy Spirit was poured out powerfully on 120 disciples. Powerfully. And the amazing thing is that we never again read the rest of the New Testament, read that any of the apostles ever casted lots again. After the, after the Holy Spirit was poured out, their lives was filled, they became spirit-filled. And never again they went back to the old custom, the old law, the old thing of casting lots to know what God wants. They were spirit-led. All through the book of Acts, we see how they were spirit-led in every decision they make. And I don't have time to go through every account. But in Acts 13, the Spirit said to the apostles, not the, not the lots, not anything else, the Spirit. Go and read the Scriptures. Acts 13, the Spirit said to the apostles, set apart Barnabas and Paul as apostles. And no lots were casted. Nothing. The Spirit told them. We also never in the Bible heard about Matthias again. That's quite scary. We never again heard about Matthias. What he was chosen by the casting of lots when God said, wait for me. Wait for the gift of the Spirit. Now I wonder, now it's just Henny. <laughs> I wonder, if they have waited, would God not choose Paul as the apostle? who wrote a third of the New Testament, who was a, a phenomenal man of God, but they chose a man that the Bible never spoke about again. Didn't even tell if he was a martyr or not. Never. So it brings us back, how do we make this, how do we make this decision? And my third point is we can never make a godly decision without the Holy Spirit in our lives. We cannot. We cannot make godly decisions. We'll make good decisions, but we may never make a godly decision without the Holy Spirit. See, without the Holy Spirit, we will struggle to receive peace in the moment of making the decisions. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I sometimes have to pray in tongues to get peace, to get to a place to make a good decision, to make sure it's godly. Now remember when Jesus said in John 14, remember, my peace I leave with you. 
He was speaking about the Holy Spirit. Referring to that in his previous verse, he said, I need you to remember that you need to make decisions out of peace, but I'm giving you the author of peace, the Holy Spirit on earth is my spirit. He's the giver of peace. He's God's spirit. And if we look at what happened to the disciples after they were filled with the spirit, man, it was amazing. From the moment where they were fearful, emotional, up and down, they didn't know what to do. When the Spirit was poured out, man, they were in the street shouting, praising, preaching. 3,000 men, more people than that, got saved in an instant, got filled with the Spirit. There was no fear, no emotions, no nothing. There was a boldness for God. Listen to Acts 2, verse 42 to 43, and I'm ending with this. It says, all the believers, guess what? What did they do? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. Well, you can actually say to the Word of God. They devoted themselves to the Word of God and to the fellowship and to the sharing of meals, including the Lord's Supper. So it was not just, if he talks about meals, it doesn't just talk about the Lord's Supper. It was two separate things. They shared meals together. They were fellowshipping together and they were having communion together. And then lastly, it says, they devoted them to prayer. And then it says, and I love this, verse 43, it says, a deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miracles, signs, and wonders. A deep awe came over them. Why? Because there was an absolute devotion to God. There was a peace of God that surpasses all understanding. Their Savior, God, was just murdered and killed. People are looking for them, but the Holy Spirit came so powerfully that nobody could touch them, and they grew rapidly. See, their devotion to God and each other as a spiritual family went through the roof. It was amazing. Now, we need the Holy Spirit in our lives. I don't know about you. I need the Holy Spirit in my life. We cannot go without the Holy Spirit in our lives. And if we're not sure if we have the Holy Spirit, you need to make sure. And if you don't have or, not, or haven't had a moment where you were filled with the Spirit, it needs to be a priority in our lives to make godly decisions. See, we need the power, we need the presence, we need the wisdom of God residing on the inside of us all the time. And that's what the Holy Spirit gives. And that's how we make godly decisions. We make sure that our devotion is in the right place. We make sure that we have peace, but we can't have a good devotion or a sure devotion and sure peace if we go without the Holy Spirit in our lives. We need Him. We need Him every day, even more today than ever. How we handle our kids, how we train and raise our children for the next generation, how we handle our businesses, our finances, our family. No matter where you go, you need the presence of the Holy Spirit. The wisdom of God in your life. Can I pray with us today? Can you stand together, all of us stand together? Father, we thank you this morning. Thank you, Lord, that, that we know that our decisions is all based on our devotion to you, Father, and our peace that we experience in our lives and work towards. And Father, more than anything else is that we open our hearts and our lives and our whole life to your Holy Spirit to reside inside of us. 
and, 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 and in our lives. And Father, I pray this morning that no matter where we are in our lives, if we are here this morning, maybe you're here this morning and you feel that, so I've never, I've always doubted when I'm making choices. I've always been doubting, should, do I make the right choice or the wrong choice? Do I do this? Father, and I pray this morning that, that you will settle our hearts in moments of decision-making, Father. That you will settle our hearts in devotion and peace and, and above all else, that we settle our hearts that Holy Spirit is working through us in everything we do, in every way we go, in every decision we make in life. And Father, we, we thank you today, Lord, that we know that when we make the wrong decisions, that your grace and your mercy is there. That your grace and your mercy is always there to bring us to a place to know that you will work everything together, Lord, for your good. Because we serve you, we love you. Thank you, Lord, that we are empowered by your grace. We are surrounded by your mercy, Lord, in every decision we make, Lord. And I pray this morning, if there's people here this morning, and if you are here and you're busy making a huge decision in your life, if you're contemplating a huge change of plans and change of things, and you are struggling through a decision, can we trust God together as you place your hand in your heart or, or maybe just in, in, in your heart this morning, just stand with this this prayer. Oh, Father, I pray that Holy Spirit, you will come this morning and every huge decision that we have to make in this next two days, three days, two years, whatever time limit there is, Father, but that you will be in it. That you will be in every decision we make, Father, and that your peace will lead us, that our devotion will guide us, Holy Spirit, and you will come and give us the way, show us the right place, the right timing. And Holy Spirit, I pray that, that you will be our instructor in everything we do in our lives, making that decisions. Father, we pray for our family, our friends. We pray for your peace. Like Paul said, that surpasses all understanding humanly to guide us. My Father, I thank, thank you that where we may, might be in a place of anxiety and stress because of decisions, that your peace will come right now. Right now. Lord, we thank you for your goodness in our lives. Lord, we thank you for who you are. And that never changes, Father. That you are the same today, yesterday, and forever. And nobody can change that. Even if we make wrong decisions, your character still stays the same and your grace is still as powerful as today. We thank you today, Lord, that we can devote everything to you again. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. For more detail, visit www.klcstellenbosch.co.za.